On today's episode of the Blue Bloods, you asked for it and you got it. We have part two of our bowl game recap series. I'm joking. And we were going to bring this to you regardless of whether you wanted it or not. So for this one, we have our pick six recap for a few bowl games. And we have another edition of First Team All Decade. So let's go ahead and get the show started. this show off we have our pick six recap uh we're going to recap a couple of the bowl games that we started um recapping a little bit before the holidays uh now the holidays are over these games are over might as well talk about them and the first game we have is the gasparilla bowl named after the pirate zach went on a tangent about that he knows all about this he studied up um but this game was between <laughs> ucf and marshall Marshall came in, I think when we recorded, they were 17-point dog. They were a 15.5-point dog at kickoff. That's still ridiculous. I'm still not over the fact that they make these teams play each other. Yeah, we, we did go all down that tangent. You know, the famous pirate, Gasparilla, he'd be proud. UCF dominated. But like you said, we we also went down the thing about bowl times are trash. UCF should not have been playing Marshall. That was evident after it was, what, 21 nothing after the first quarter? Yeah, it was terrible. And I mean, Marshall had five turnovers, and it was just – it was a garbage game. Yeah, I mean, this game wasn't very exciting uh, for anybody to watch. I mean, UCF did what UCF is, well has done the past couple of years anyway. I won't say they, they do what they do uh, because this year they went 9-3 and three in the regular season. But Dylan Gabriel put on a show. I mean, only 14 completions for 260 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, this guy was dropping absolute bombs. Um I mean, they looked really good. Uh, but, I mean, we talked about this in the preview episode as well. UCF was playing like an hour or less away from home. Uh, this game was in Tampa, right? Uh, or close yeah. to it. Yeah, it's in Tampa. So, uh, UCF's in Orlando. It's like 45 minutes away, depending on how fast you go. But, um, yeah, uh, UCF looked really good. Marshall looked really bad. Yeah, I mean, what, their quarterback had nine completions on 23 attempts and had two interceptions off those as well. I mean, you know, I, I, I know I highlighted um, the running back for Marshall, Knox, uh, Brendan Knox, and he had a big game. I thought he would. I mean, he had over 100 yards rushing, but it's kind of tough when your quarterback puts up the performance that, you know, Marshall's quarterback did, especially across when across the field you have uh, – Dylan Gabriel putting up almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, playing a flawless game. And, I mean, UCF was more talented at every single position. All right, here's a fun game. Zach, are you looking at his QBR right now? I'm not, but if – one of us needs to guess this. All right, well, what do you think his QBR is, man? All right, since I don't know how to calculate QBR and since he had <laughs> nine completions out of, like, what, 23 um, – uh, QBR. Let's give him like a. I give him like a like a thirty six. A sixteen. Sixteen. Oh, that's much worse than I thought. What? Okay, that's bad. Sixteen. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Uh, so not great at all. I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, it, he had a very, very bad game. I mean, he had a rushing touchdown, uh, but he only had 19 yards rushing on the ground, but that's on 10 carries. Um, and I mean, I, UCF had four players over 50 yards rushing and all of them were averaging over five yards, over five yards a carry. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This game just seemed like a mismatch from the jump, um, and it was. So uh, really nothing more to talk about in this game. Uh, so let's go ahead and continue on to our next one. Our next game, we have the Hawaii Bowl in Hawaii. Woo. Somehow Hawaii wasn't the home team. They're playing at their home stadium. Uh, <laughs> it's like, sorry, you, you cannot wear those uniforms. They played 15 games this season. They weren't in the conference championship, and they played 15 games. Yeah, they were. They, oh, they, they were, were in their conference right. championship. Right. Yeah, State. they got smacked by Boise State. That was it. Yeah, still, you're not allowed. You shouldn't be allowed to play 15 games unless you're in the national championship. Sounds sounds wrong. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, how do they play 15 games? I want to know where they played that extra game. You know, I, I don't understand how scheduling happens. Apparently, um, yeah, but dude, but their quarterback. Uh, Cole McDonald, did you see how many yards he passed for? Uh, too many. Uh, almost 593 yards, four touchdowns on 28 completions. Insane. I mean, what I don't understand. I don't understand how this kid had almost 500 yards passing and they only put up 38 points. I don't either. It, it well, those really sound like Anthony Gordon numbers to me. Um, because well, he didn't team, have any interceptions. He didn't have any interceptions, though. Never, so. never mind, then. Uh, sounds much better, actually. Uh, Zach Wilson played a more Anthony Gordon game with his two interceptions. And, you know, this was so frustrating because Brandon did pick Hawaii. I picked BYU, of course. Yeah. And, you know, Zach Wilson played a horrible game. I mean, this is not the kid that was making plays to beat USC or, you know, lead BYU early in the season before his injury. He – he just that it factor did not seem to be there. Cole McDonald played his best game of the year. I gave him a bunch of crap about his all his turnover problems throughout the year. He showed up this game, so props to Cole McDonald. I mean, if he plays like this next year, Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii really, really could be dangerous next year. Yeah, uh, and you got to love the dreads on Cole McDonald. Um, <laughs> I don't really know why. Something about them, the blonde dreads. I mean, that's, it's a bold move, but I, I think he did it. I think he did it right. Um, I don't know, this, this game. And, you know, when I was picking it, I picked Hawaii because they played on the island, you know. That's what I do. I didn't pick them because I thought they were going to win. Uh, they, I think they surprised all of us. So they pulled out this win against BYU. Um, and, and it was actually – I mean, this was a great game to watch. I don't know if you watched it. Yeah. But it was – this game was insane. It, it was – a hell of a game and you know Hawaii had yeah Hawaii better be lucky to have Cole McDonald their leading rusher had 17 yards rushing that's tough that's a on tough 10 play. attempts and then the <laughs> next highest rusher had three yards yeah they, the run know. the run they for the entire game guys I mean they had 27 attempts for two yards rushing that is 0.1 yards per attempt <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I don't. I, I can't even say anything about that. When I was trying to think of something clever. There's just that's just bad, though. That's terrible. And you know, without BYU's three turnovers, you know, we highlighted Wilson's two interceptions. They also had a fumble. 
without those three turnovers, BYU probably runs away with this game. Well, yeah, I they mean, lost B- by four points, and they only lost in the last minute of the game. Yeah, well, they put up 500 yards total, 274 passing, 231 rushing, only, you know, two penalties. That's insane. I mean, nowadays you never see that. BYU played a great game outside of turnovers, and I think Hawaii is lucky to escape this one. And, you know, for BYU, regardless if they're wearing their home jerseys or not, like you said, this was a big away game. I I don't did I I really didn't notice. I mean, the crowd didn't play a huge part, but still, uh, I think it's a little ridiculous that they had to go all the way to Hawaii. Yeah, I mean that that's that gives Hawaii an obvious advantage there. Uh, I don't know. I, I I was just looking at the total yards for Hawaii. They had 495 total yards, and and <laughs> McDonald passed for 493 of those. So I don't know what's yeah. going on. Um, Nothing really makes sense, but let's go ahead and move on to our next game. Uh, our next game, do we even have to talk about the the USC-Iowa game? Like, say no. Uh, I don't want to Yeah, we, we're going to have to talk about it. We have okay. to talk about it, man. Well, we had the Holiday Bowl, uh, USC playing Iowa. Iowa was the one-point dog. And you know what? Before we even get started with this one, don't even look at us. Don't even come anywhere near Keaton Slovis. He came to play. Our boy didn't let us down, <laughs> and he was the best quarterback on the field of the three quarterbacks on the field this weekend. You, you would hope so. Yeah, well, I mean, it was Nate Stanley, Keaton Slovis, and Matt Fink. So, um, I mean, he passed for 260 yards before he had to sit. I mean, I mean, my man Keaton played – I mean, he threw so well. He was carrying this team so much that he strained his elbow, tennis elbow, some would call it uh, – but this man literally played so hard that his arm gave out before he did, and that's what I love to see out of my quarterback. To be fair, he tore it because he, he got his offensive line just uh, – what happened? U.S. – you know, we gave USC a lot of crap for their recruiting class. I'm glad they got some offensive linemen because, holy hell, they need them. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, look, it's if embarrassing. You, if, you, if you were a former USC O-lineman, just know – me and Zach have beef. Uh, we're not necessarily coming for you, but we're thinking about it. That's a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> I mean, dude, I don't understand how uh, USC should be embarrassed that they're keeping Clay Hilton. This was – you played pretty much a home game, and you got smacked Yeah, by I mean, Iowa. A game that you were the favorite in. I mean – 49 to 24 are you kidding me you let you you let nate stanley throw for over 200 yards and two touchdowns on you i mean i don't know and and i just so you you come from a long line of running backs like oj reggie bush i mean usc has had legendary running backs and you put up 22 total yards rushing their leading rusher had 37 yards they just i mean a lot of negative yards are in there, too. Yeah, I mean, it's just – ah, oh man, it just bothers me how this turned out because Ke- if Keaton Slovis was on any other team, I mean, I'm, like, I, I just don't understand. I mean, I think he is right up there just as talented as any of the other true freshmen in the country that we've highlighted. I mean, including Bo Nix, including, you know, the kid from North Carolina. Um, Sam Howell. I just 
yeah, Sam Howell, his name was escaping me because I'm so frustrated at this. I mean, put Kita Slovis on either of those teams and he skyrockets in value. But he has no help, man. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like USC outside of Michael Pittman and uh, St. Brown, uh, the other wide receiver, I mean, they – what does you, the USC doesn't have a single running back that would start for another team in the country? Look, I don't blame you for trying to avoid that first name. Uh, it's like Amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, that's something. But I mean, he had a great game too. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he had a hell of a game. His targets in in Southern California. He just his O line's not there. The rushing game's not there. The defense really isn't there. So yeah, what more can you and do? and shout out to Amir Smith Marset for Iowa man. I mean. I believe all in the second quarter, he had a rushing touchdown, returned a kickoff almost 100 yards, and have and had a receiving touchdown. Right. right. He scored all of Iowa's 21 points in the second quarter. I mean, that just can't happen. And a kickoff return is just a backbreaker, man. I mean, I think that's just one – I mean, that if you can keep that momentum going from a – that could change the whole dynamic of a game. Absolutely. And, I, I mean, that, that really – that's when I saw it getting out of hand, and that's when I started having real bad, you know, feelings about this game. Because early in the game, before that, I mean, it was tied when that kickoff return happened. It was right off a USC touchdown, I believe. Yeah. And he returns to kickoff, and the momentum shifted. I mean, that jumped him up to twenty-eight fourteen. You know, and it just it just never clicked. And Clay Helton looks like he has no control over this team. I feel the same way. I feel about Jason Garrett with the Cowboys. It's time to move on. And I know I wish we were, I wish we covered the NFL so bad because that whole situation with the Cowboys is ridiculous. But I won't. I won't talk about it. Um, but yeah, I you, mean, the worst thing USC could have done was was not fire Clay Helton this season. And I, you know, and you disagree with me there for a little while. You're like, oh, maybe he should keep his job. Nope. No, no. Nope. I mean, I, I held judgment. I, I I withheld judgment for a while, but you know, now with Urban Meyer being the candidate for multiple NFL jobs, I think I think they might have missed a boat, and it, it's it's going to get bad before it gets any better. I mean, with this next recruiting class and with this next graduate, the graduating seniors from this year's team, you're not replacing any of them. I mean, they have a lot of young people in a lot of their positions, but you still have to recruit and. Who's coming to play for USC when they know Clay Hilton is one bad game next year away from being gone? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, now, you mentioned something about Urban Meyer to the NFL, and I, I know we're not an NFL podcast. I need to talk about this, though. I read an article today that said that the Browns are trying to kill Urban Meyer um, because he had health complications after going 83-9 and nine at Ohio State and 65-15 and 15 at Florida. So if he went to if he went to the Browns, he'd die. Um, that's kind of cultural news. <laughs> that, that was that was just a funny headline I saw. I was like, "What in the world?" And I read it. I was like, "Ah, okay, I get it." Anyway, um, but I mean, I was going to be real good next year. I was always sneaky good. So watch out for this team in the Big Ten. And USC is going to go back to our relevancy. We have Washington reloading. You have Oregon. That's just we're going to talk about them. I believe next episode. They are ready to make a real, real impact in the national landscape. Yeah, and then you also have teams like Arizona, class. or not draft class, their uh, recruiting, recruiting class. class. Yeah, yeah, and then you have teams like Arizona State that's looking real good, especially after their bowl win. And I just, I just think it's going to get real ugly for USC. Yeah, I agree with you. 
Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next bowl game. We had uh, – what was it, the Texas Bowl? We had, we had the Texas Bowl. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, and Texas A&M. A&M was a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and I got fooled here. I got, I've been had. I really thought that Oklahoma State was going to win this one. Um, I thought Chuba Hubbard could probably push them over the edge here. It turns out Texas A&M came to play. Well, I'll tell you that. They didn't really come to play, but Oklahoma State sure didn't come to play. So that's that's where we're at. So this Great was game, Texas A&M's – yeah, it's a hell of a game, but this is Texas A&M's 13th game, correct? Yeah. You know, eight and five. So – it took them 13 games to realize that Kellen Mond was a threat on the ground. <laughs> Shouldn't have been that way. but I mean, this dude put up almost 120 yards rushing on 12 see, attempts. Did you see that 70-yard run, though? Yeah, he was. It, it was a stud run. That was, and I just, it, that was the just, funniest thing I've ever seen. Because, <laughs> what, Oklahoma, State, because Oklahoma State just had players falling all over the place. It was – I mean, Kellen Mond was outrunning defensive backs. Um, and, I mean, I guess this just kind of sh- uh, shows you what the defenses are like in Big 12. Uh, they're just inexplicable. I can't, even, I can't even begin to describe them. Yeah, well, I mean, as we're recording, I mean, what, the Big, the big 12 is one in five in bowl games? Not great. Not great. That's, that's garbage. And the only one was Texas, which we'll get to in just a little bit. I mean. It was just oh, apparently God. great at bowl games. Yeah, but I mean, you know, so to Oklahoma State comes in with their backup quarterback, Drew Brown, and I mean, he he had a pretty good game. I mean, almost 200 yards, two touchdowns, no inter- no turnovers. Um, he had a rushing touchdown too. I mean, the kid played amazing. I mean, Spencer Sanders probably would have thrown three interceptions. So, I mean, I have no problem, you know, I think this is a real, real good quarterback battle to pay attention to going into next year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Drew Brown, first of all, what a spelling. It's G it's I'm sorry, not G. It's D R U. Uh that I don't is that his real name? Who knows? Uh but yeah, I mean he had a he had a pretty good game. Um I'm not gonna call it great by any means, but it's better than what Spencer Sanders probably would have done. Um I mean, nearly 200 yards passing, like Zach said, two touchdowns passing. And then he had a rushing touchdown, too, I believe. Uh, yeah, he did. My question for Oklahoma State is why Why did you let him throw the ball 28 times and you only gave the ball to Chuba Hubbard 19 times? I mean, he had the ball 19 uh, times for 160 yards. They're probably not – Texas A&M is probably not slowing him down anytime, But they won't run him. No. I mean, it's, it blows my mind. Eight and eight point three yards per carry, and you're just gonna you're just gonna be like, nah, he'll be all right. <laughs> he'll be fine. Don't worry you, about it. Yeah, you, you let a hurt Spencer Sanders run it twice. Like, why? It, it just doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this? And you know, I just want to say, you know, they didn't have Tylen Wallace, but a big announcement this week. Uh, Tylen Wallace said he's coming back next year. Crazy, right? And which Spencer Sanders has to come back. And the rumor is Chuba Hubbard is coming back, but has not officially announced. He's a Oklahoma, sophomore. He's a redshirt sophomore. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Chuba Hubbard, if he comes back, Oklahoma State has a real shot at winning the Big 12 next year. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean Chuba Hubbard's an incredible running back. 
Should have won the Toe Walker this year. Still salty just, about he's that. He's just playing under the radar. I mean, that's probably, you know, like like you said, he hasn't he hasn't declared for the draft yet, but it's coming. I mean, he he's so under the radar and he's so underappreciated. It's insane. Uh, that is so. I mean, I can't even. But I want to go to A and M's running back. Uh, they have a true freshman. They had a big. They they got they caught the injury bug. Uh, they, they started Isaiah Spiller throughout the season, true freshman. He put up 77 yards in a touchdown and was just – he could keep the sticks moving. He can churn the clock. I think A&M is set up really well for next year. Uh, Kellerman will have another year. Hopefully they'll learn how to use him correctly. He can make some progress passing. And Isaiah Spiller comes back. They have a lot of pieces coming back. So I think A&M is another sneaky option for the SEC next year. So I thought this game – was a matchup of two teams with a lot of potential. And I, I was impressed with both teams. Uh, both teams had caught the injury bug. So I think it was an even game. Drew Brown played well. Kelvin was just a little bit better. And I think it just showed that a had a little bit more talent than Oklahoma State. Right. I agree with you. And really and truly, Texas A&M, God, I mean, I understand they went 8-5, and five, and that's including their bowl game. So regular season, they were 7-5. and five. Um, A lot of those losses, though, were like, I want to say quality losses, and I know I gave them a hard time after they lost to LSU, but we saw what LSU did to Oklahoma, and I think that <laughs> Texas A&M caught the first part of that, where, where LSU was finally getting their defense together, um, and I think that that was the first game where LSU really had it all together, and then they just put it down on Texas A&M. I don't think Texas A&M is a bad team, um, and so no. it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what they can do next year uh, for sure. So let's go ahead and move on to our next bowl game. We have North Carolina and Temple in the military bowl. And wow. So, okay, so when I was watching this game, um, you know, I, I caught parts of it. I didn't watch the entire game. And so when I was looking for the game recap <laughs> at the end, I was like, because sometimes you look up uh, uh, the two teams and game summary on ESPN and then you'll get, like, a basketball game thrown in there somewhere. I saw this game. I saw that uh, North Carolina scored 55, and I was like, no, no, no. North Carolina Temple football game summary. And this pulled up again. I was like, oh, well, I guess this had to be it. So UNC wiped the floor with Temple. I mean, this game wasn't even close. Yeah, I actually watched this entire game. Uh, you awesome. know, I'm, uh, cool. Yeah, well, you know, I'm dedicated to this. I'm dedicated to this, friend, and I'm dedicated to the podcast. Yeah, we get it. Um, <laughs> Even as a grad student, um, but no, Sam Howell. Um, I'm here to say this is this this might shake some people. Hope everyone's sitting down. He's going to win a Heisman before he leaves North Carolina. Yeah, it's bold, but the, I mean, I, I see the, what, I this, see what you're saying. The, this kid is that good, man. I mean, and with the talent influx that Mac Brown's bringing in, this kid will be a top ten pick when he decides to leave North Carolina. And this kid just has an it factor. And I know I have Bo Nix being an Auburn fan. I wish I had Sam Howell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that That is true. I would trade Bo Nix right now for Sam Howell in a heartbeat. And Go ahead and get that sound bite, whoever's listening. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I ever meet Bo Nix, I'm sorry, bro. Uh, but Sam Howell is the man. 300 yards again, three touchdowns, no turnovers. I mean – Sam Howell was what? I don't think he was even a top five quarterback in the this last recruiting class. No, not even no, no. no. Dude, th- this kid put up thirty six hundred yards, thirty eight touchdowns, and only seven interceptions. 
Yeah, those are those are pretty good numbers for a true freshman. No kidding. I mean, I would. Uh, this kid is just keeps impressing me. I think I am really, really high on this kid, and I am really, really high on North Carolina going into next year. Yeah, me too. And, and I think that we've shown that through and through this season. Uh, we both had North Carolina in this game. Um, I, I mean, almost every single time we've had them on here, I think we've both taken them. Uh, you know, they've 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 impressed me all the way through the season, but. Um, I'm I'm so excited. I know I know I say this a lot about how excited I am for the future. I'm so excited to see the future for this kid. <laughs> and I mean, people forget uh, they almost beat Clemson. Yeah, I mean they were, a point and they away. should have they beat were, Clemson. They were a two point conversion away. Uh, I mean, I think you have to. I think you have to go for two there, and I, I'll I'll live and I'll die by that. Um, but it's just it's agreed. I don't think they were beating them in overtime. That was a hell of a call. I think we talked about it for like 30 minutes on the podcast. Probably. We can talk uh, about it, it for another 30 it, minutes if you want. No kidding. But, you know, Temple, just not a great game, man. I mean, I don't know if – I don't think – I think it was more the North Carolina defense just played outstanding. Uh, watching this game, they just popped off, you know, they popped off my screen for me. I mean, they forced Russo into an interception. They forced both quarterbacks that played for Temple into an interception, held them both under 130 yards. The leading rusher for Temple, they had 36 yards, and they held Temple to 2.3 yards per carry. I mean, this defense was outstanding. I mean, um, I'm nothing but impressed. Uh, and North Carolina just has some playmakers. They got some dogs on that team, and – I, I can't wait. I mean, that the pick six that they had in the third quarter, just beautiful, and it just put the game away. Everyone was like, okay, it's only 27 to six. There's still a chance. That interception return, they just shut the door, slammed the door on Temple. <laughs> Done for. And they, they outgained Temple 534 to 272. Yeah, and that's why this game wasn't even a little bit close. Uh, one of the things, and I think that you all should uh, give me a support in this time, um, I'm proud of me. I think you should be too. I finally got over thinking that Temple is good and thinking they can upset anybody. This game showed me that that's not true. Um, UNC was the favorite coming to this one. They were six-point favorite. But Temple did not upset them. I need to keep repeating that to myself because I, I have to make it stick. Yeah, you see, Brad is making real progress on the podcast, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm growing as a person um, and as a podcast host, and I uh, hope to share this experience with you for years to come. So, uh, on to our next matchup. We have uh, what was it? This is the Pinstripe Bowl, the New Era Pinstripe New Bowl. New Era <laughs> between Michigan State and Wake Forest, and everyone knows. I mean, if you know me, you know that I love watching football on a baseball field. One of my favorite things to do. <laughs> we, we were at Yankee Stadium for this one, and uh, Michigan State pulled this game out. Uh, how do you feel about that, Zach? What was your pick? Uh, I had Wake Forest, and it was because of Jamie Newman, and I, I, I think that was a great pick because Jamie Newman played as played as you know what off man. Did he? I mean, with, with twelve or twenty-seven, you think that was good? He had three passing touchdowns and was the leading rusher. Like he had no help, bro. I mean, whatever you say, I guess. I'll tell you who played their butt off. It, it, was, it was Brian LaWork. 26 for 37, mm. 320 yards, 
Maybe not with only one history. one touchdown and an no, interception. One and... passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, so two <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll I mean, yeah. Right. Anyway, um, I mean, I th- this was a fun. I, game I think a lost. It was. It was a heck of a game. I mean, I was impressed with Elijah Collins too, the running back from Michigan State. I mean, he had pretty much a hundred yards. You know, and it just seemed like. To close the game out, man, they could just lean on this kid. And every time they needed to get a little bit going on the ground to open up, you know, the field for Brian Lewerke, it, he did it. And I was really impressed with him. I mean, that was the difference in the game is that, you know, Lewerke had Collins and Anthony Williams Jr. to lean on and, you know, get the defense to do what they want. While Jamie Newman did not have that. I mean, the leading rusher for Wake Forest outside of him helping him 64 yards. And it just it just never seemed to click. Wake Forest couldn't really put a drive together, in my opinion. I mean, they put up yards, had 351, but they didn't complete drives. And if you can't complete drives and you can't control the time possession, they got they, Michigan State had the ball 11 more minutes. It just it, you're not going to win a game like that, especially against a team like Michigan State. That's pretty disciplined. Right. No, you're right. Um, the thing that I liked most about this game was that we got a little bit of both. Uh, we got the best of both worlds here. Where in the first half, we saw more offense than we knew what to do with. Um, and in the second half, none of that. I mean, that just went out the window. Um, there was It was just a defensive battle through and through. Uh, Michigan State was the only team to score there. They scored a touchdown uh, to, to take the lead with 10 minutes left in the third quarter, and the rest is history. So, that, I mean, this is yep. these are the kind of games I love to see. You know, I kind of wish the roles were flipped here to where it would have been like defensive battle in the first half and then scoring toward the end because you always want to end with the best. But uh, I'll, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, and, you know, we have a problem on this podcast. I guess we got to fix next year. We like uh, to highlight offensive players a lot. I just want to say Noah Harvey for Michigan State all over the field. I mean, he's a sophomore linebacker he 14 tackles man yeah I mean insane and then you had you know they got to the quarterback a lot man I mean Kenny Wilkes had a one and a half sacks and they had a few people with some sacks I mean they were getting to the quarterback they had a pick six I was I was really impressed with the Michigan State defense I mean they gave up a good bit of yards but when they needed to make a play they, they, they made it and I think that defines Michigan State. I mean, growing up, Michigan State never had the explosive offense, but man, they could play some defense. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right here. Um, let's go ahead and move on from this from this matchup though, onto our last matchup. We have the Cheese It Bowl, my probably my favorite name bowl. Uh, <laughs> I know I've got a list of those, but this might be my favorite. We have Air Force playing Washington State. And props to Washington State here. They didn't win this game. Air Force did. Uh, but they did one thing. They slowed down Donald Hammond. Um, now, when I say they slowed him down, I mean that they held him to 60 yards rushing and two touchdowns uh, on the ground at least. But they could not stop Caden Remsburg. That dude had – I was about, I was about to say, I was about to say they stopped Hammond, but they could not stop the kid, man. I, I mean, mean just, holy crazy. hell. And props to Washington State. They only gave up 31 points. I think that was below their average they were allowing. I think so. And they, now, now what and they, they did, only gave up. What they did do was I think they almost killed Remsburg on his last touchdown, but uh, we yeah. won't talk about that. Okay. I just want to say 
guys, I don't remember. Y'all can pull back. Y'all can pull the tape back. Brandy can post it on this episode. I don't care. Your boy said it was going to be Air Force controlling the clock. Their first drive went 20 plays, 98 yards for 12 minutes of possession. They had the ball for three quarters of the game. They had possession yeah, 43 of 43 minutes. <laughs> That's crazy. Dude, Washington State barely had it for a quarter. Oh, my God. I mean, that's – there's four quarters in the game. Do we need to tell them? Who, who's going to tell them? Yeah, that's <laughs> – I mean, dude. And, you know, I just want to shout out I, – I was on Anthony Gordon real, real hard. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, and threw it for over 350. His best game of the year. I mean – are you serious? You you play a disciplined team with a decent defense, and you don't throw an interception, and you just it, it, when they had the ball, they were going to score. Air Force got lucky they held the ball because if they didn't hold the ball, Washington State was going to score on them every single drive. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we've seen what uh, Anthony Gordon can do with the football. You know, whether that be good or bad, but he can score. Um, you know, regardless of whether he's throwing sixteen interceptions. Uh, but yeah, I mean they, they kept the ball out of his hand, uh, out of his hands, and so I, I actually I'll take it back. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. You know what? If Washington State did have the ball, if if these times were flipped and they had the ball for forty three minutes, I'm still not convinced they would win because they would have thrown like six interceptions, no doubt. <laughs> well, they had the ball for sixteen minutes and had forty two pass attempts. Insane. I mean, how dude, many rush? How uh, many rush attempts? That eight. It, they're leading. They're leading rusher at six carries. For yeah, their running back minutes. has their running back has six carries, and Anthony Gordon had two carries for negative twelve yards. Probably yeah. both sacks. So they probably only ran the ball <laughs> six times. Yeah. And Air Force ran the ball sixty nine times. Nice. I mean, dude, sixty nine times. Nice. They they ran the ball more times than Washington State had plays in this game. Oh my god! How? Yeah, that's insane. Uh, I don't I, that blows that my mind. Dude, Washington State put up 366 yards in only 16 minutes. That's, that's pretty stout, bro. That is pretty stout. But, I mean, Air Force was too disciplined. They they kept the ball away just like we thought. We both picked Air Force. We said they were going back to discipline, only two penalties for 20 yards. Each of them had a turnover. The only reason Air Force had a turnover is because they thought they could get fancy and throw the ball. That's not how it works. <laughs> You're a service academy. Keep it on the ground. You yeah. know better. You, you know, know better. better. I thought we I were mean, but, over here. Yeah, but, you know, three for three on fourth downs also really hurt Washington State. You have to get this team off the field. You know, they make one or two fourth down stops. This is a different game. And then on the flip side, they go two for five on fourth downs. You're not going to beat a service academy like this, man. I mean, you have to have the defense to make a few plays, and Washington State couldn't keep them off the field. And if I don't think there's been a team that has allowed the other team to have over 40 minutes of possession time and win a game. No, I mean, that that would be absolutely insane. Kind of crazy that – oh, oh, hold on. Breaking news, breaking news. Uh, We're not an NFL podcast, but Jason Garrett has been fired completely from the Cowboys. Credit me. Uh, actually, don't. It wasn't me breaking that news, but uh, I had to talk about that. Um, Our Urban Meyer on the, the way. way. I think it's me, Lincoln Riley, but that's uh, that's college. That's college. We can talk about it, dude. If they hire Lincoln Riley over Urban Meyer, 
uh, I'm out. Interested. I don't think he is. He already said he was on Colin Cowherd. He said that's the anything. that's the I don't trust anything that happens to Colin Cowherd. I've already oh my god. I'll keep dude. doing. Dude, he was on the show as a guest and said that would be the like only NFL job that he would consider. Cowboys. Yeah, consider. You know, he didn't say he would take it. Oh my gosh. All right, I'm just saying well, after after what LSU did to Lincoln Raleigh, he doesn't deserve the Oklahoma job. I'm just saying. Yeah, but the NFL loves to hire young offensive minds, and that's what they're gonna keep doing. Uh, oh, oh, oh like when they hired uh, uh like Yeah, uh, I, I can't I can't wait for our SEC preview next year because I'm already like doing my research. Brandon's going to be pissed where I have LSU ranked. Yeah, I mean Probably because you you're you're a hater, um, you don't know what you're talking about. And so it's um, so so this is this isn't a segment we were going to have. This is just a segment I'm putting on Brandon on the spot on. Oh, good. Um, so we're going to talk about a few players who have said they're coming back. We've already hinted at Tylen Wallace coming back. He is officially announced. Also, we have um, Alex Leatherwood, the left tackle for Alabama. A top 20 projected pick in the NFL draft has said he is coming back to school. That also includes Dylan Moses, the linebacker who tore his ACL in the. I in the that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm good with that. But that's two huge Alabama players that are coming back. And two Jerry is Judy. His announcement on, on January 6th. Monday. I mean, he's, he's keeping everybody Monday. Yeah. yeah, you have Tua, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith and uh, rugs that still have not made their decisions yet as well. And if Tua comes back, I'm looking at all of them except for Judy to come back. I'll tell you something. There, Alex Leatherwood is staying for a reason. And mm-hmm. I think it's because Tua is I think it's because he knows something we don't know, and I think it's because Tua doesn't understand how paychecks work. So he doesn't have draft and insurance. Like, Alex Leather was not coming back to protect Mac Jones. I'm sorry. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he knows something that we don't know, and he thinks that he can get a higher pick if he comes back because of that thing that we don't know. Yeah, and, and you know, if, if this is the case, why would, you know, if, if that's the case, why would any anybody come back? Like, if Tua comes back, why wouldn't Henry Ruggs come back? With you know, if Judy declares, why wouldn't Ruggs and Smith come back when they can move up in the, you know, stacking order of targets for Tua? I just, it doesn't make any sense why any of them would leave if Tua's coming back. Right. So, well, just watch yeah. out for that. Um, oh, he, this is gonna be so good. Right. Hmm. Is there anyone else yeah. want to cover here? No, that that was just I was just <laughs> like talked about that. Like then Alabama is having everyone come back. It, this is going to be nasty. This is going to be such a good team next year. I'm just saying. And, you know, we'll probably have, like, an official segment next episode because there's going to be a lot of announcements because the deadline's coming up. Uh, bowl games are going to be over. People want to consider, you know, their decisions. I know once LSU and Clemson get out of the championship, there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of decisions to be made there. Yeah. Uh, I know there's a bunch of Auburn players who just played, you know, we're recording on the second that just played yesterday that had decisions to be made. Bama just played yesterday. Michigan just played yesterday. Oklahoma, you know, oh, Kenneth Murray has declared for the draft. Forgot about him. He's gone. Huge loss for Oklahoma. He's probably the best defensive player they've had in, what, the history of anything? 
the history of anything. I mean, I mean, yeah, he's incredible. Absolutely a stud. And that's a huge loss for the defense because, as you saw, you know, he's a great player. But as you guys saw in the LSU game, one player can't make the difference. So that's going to be, you know, uh, it's, it's not going to be good. But, yeah. yeah, so that's all I want to cover here. We'll probably have an official segment. But for now, we're going to move to the all-decade team. You know what? Actually, favorite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a veto in there real quick. I think oh, that we – there's something else we need to talk about. The, all, the Under Armour All-American game was today, right? And we had the players who were committed. I think we need to talk about that a little bit. There's at least one thing I want to talk about for sure. Uh, oh, we're so, we talking about Zachary Evans being an absolute just – oh, God. We can talk about that or we can talk about him not committing today. Yeah, that's what, that's what I meant. Like, he's yeah. just an absolute – I don't even know how – like, just what are you doing, bro? There's you something are going literally, on. There's something that's going a, on. Well, okay, I heard a rumor. I mean, I don't know if I should break it on here, but I heard a rumor about why he didn't commit. Go ahead. and I think I know, so hit it. Yeah, so the rumor is – he is already committed to uh, Georgia. He's already yeah. signed. Um, um, but what I heard is he's trying to get out of his, of his letter of intent because his ACT didn't make the cut. Uh, yep. That, you know, I've heard that too. Um, I've also heard there's like dis, uh, disciplinary reasons. I mean, his high school yep. sent him home from their state championship. Because he, and he apologized today on national TV on the sidelines during the game. He sat down with Deion Sanders and I forgot the reporter's name, but he uh, he apologized to all his teams and his coaches and his family for embarrassing them. But what I, I mean, there look, and, and I understand it, it. I just wanted to talk about this because there's got to be a reason, you know, like there's a reason that uh, Alex Leatherwood's coming back. There's a reason that all these Alabama players haven't decided, you know, whether they're going to declare for the draft yet. They haven't done that. I mean, they're done playing, you know, it's not like they're waiting for their bowl game. Like they don't want to distract from that. They're done playing, you know, either they're done and they're going to the NFL or they're not. It's, it's like that for Zach Evans now. I mean, he's not playing for his high school anymore. At this point, he could be in the locker room with his team every single day. He could have already enrolled. Um, but don't you think that if he would have signed that letter of intent with Georgia at this point, we'd have – I mean, someone would know. And I understand there's rumors, but it's like the Clyde Edwards-Alaire injury where it started with rumors and then later that day, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But we haven't seen any fire yet from this Zach Evans story. Yeah, I'd, I'd just, I'm interested to see what happens. But I'm just—it just blows my mind that you know you got such a talented kid, and just it doesn't seem like anyone's in his ear telling him that he's got to chill, that he's got to figure his stuff out. Because I mean, he has such potential. I mean, he could be the next great running back for any of the schools he's considering, and I mean, he played a hell of a game tonight. But I mean, does anyone want to deal with him? I don't. I, I don't know. I That's mean, everyone saying. has their limit, right? Um, I mean, and best of luck to the guy too. I mean, I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to sit here and trash this high school kid um, for not making decision for. Well, I mean, whatever the reasons are, you know, whether they be disciplinary or, uh, or or academic. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and talk about this 17, 18 year old kid like that's not my place. But I, I mean, it, you know, it's our place. It is our place to talk about the news, um, and this is just what's going on. So, I mean, best of luck to him. But I mean, watch out for that. There's there's something going on. Yeah, I, you know, that's just oh, yeah. my opinion. But 
Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to the all-decade team. Zach already uh, prefaced it. Let's let's go ahead and hit it real quick. So today <laughs> we have our offensive guard um, choices. You know, we have two of those, and then we have our kicker. I only have one. Were we doing two of these? I was just doing one kicker because yeah. there's only one. I mean, you're not going to put two kickers on the field. No, I'm hopefully. Going. Well, if you're Alabama, you, you might. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, so let's go ahead and start with the guard, uh, and I'll let you kick this one off. Yeah, so my first guard is uh, Quentin Nelson. Yeah, um, me too. That's, that's mine. From so. Notre Dame. I mean, I, three-year starter for Notre Dame, a unanimous All-American his, his last year. Uh, dominant. I mean, you don't get drafted top – six overall from the draft if you're just not a dominant a dominating force as an offensive lineman I mean the kid was consistent I mean as as you know it's always hard to pick offensive linemen they don't really have stats uh but you know I saw Notre Dame you know Notre Dame was in the spotlight during his you know time there I saw him play a lot the kid is talented he's continued it to the NFL I say he's one of the best NFL offensive linemen I think this kid is the closest thing to a unanimous pick we've had this entire segment. And this one wasn't even close, in my opinion. I, you know, I th- Quentin Nelson, just the way that he plays, he is – and, you know, he, it's not like he was – he didn't win any awards for his uh, – for what he did at Notre Dame. Um, but in his four seasons there, he – I mean, he dominated. He is – when you think of an offensive lineman, when you think of what that means, uh, you think, or at least I think of Quentin Nelson um, – he is a great NFL offensive lineman, and he'll continue to be a great NFL offensive lineman uh, just as he was in college. So let's go and move on to our second pick here. Um, I'll let Zach kick this one off, too. I'll, I'll do kicker. <laughs> okay. Just keep throwing it back at me, bro. Just keep throwing it back at me. Uh, I have Chance Warmack for um, Alabama. Okay. Uh I think he uh, – I saw him play a lot, at, you know, being an, you know, Auburn fan. So, saw him a lot. You know, I'm a huge SEC um, yeah, homer supporter. Yeah, I, you guys know how it is. I mean, I, I can't help it. But to, got, to, to start as long as he did at Alabama and to be as consistent as he was, I just – I don't see another person being up there with him. I he impressed me every time I saw him. He was a long-time starter, and just like Quentin Nelson, man, I think I just think his physicality and what he brought to the game was just too much to keep him off this list. Yeah, um, so I don't have him. I actually don't have any SEC players uh, in, for my guards anyway. So um, I, for my for my second guard, I have Joshua Garnett um, out of Stanford, uh, Outland Trophy winner in 2015. I mean, this guy. I, I can't sit here and read off stats like I do for my other picks. Uh, it, it's O-line. They don't really have stats. But if you watch this guy play for all four seasons between 2012 and 2015 with Stanford, um, you know how special this guy was. You know, just the way that he played. And some people are going to argue with me here. Some people are going to say, oh, he wasn't even the best offensive lineman for Stanford uh, in this decade. You know, maybe they think David DeCastro was. I would disagree with you. Um, David Castro didn't have the accomplishments that, that Joshua Garnett did. Um, and he truly let, I mean, he was one of the factors uh, for the Stanford team that, I mean, if you remember between 2012 and 2015, they were dominant in the Pac-12. Um, well, other than Oregon, um, you know, it was basically those two teams at the top every single year. Uh, and, and he was a big reason for that. So I've got, I've got him on there. Um, and I don't really have any stats to back it up. Uh, I guess he has like a tackle, but that, that's it. 
Yeah, I mean, I had David DeCastro as my number three. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not – I think both of them are really good picks. Um, I, I'm not going to argue with that. But I, I think both of them played a big role. I mean, Stanford back in the day had just a monster offensive line. I mean, it, and you don't churn out running backs like Christian McCaffrey without having a good offensive line in front of them or keep, you know, someone like Andrew Luck who had a lot of injuries in the NFL with a bad offensive line. You don't keep him healthy for all his years at Stanford without dominating offensive linemen. So that was a really, really good pick. Finally retires when he gets Quentin Nelson, but we won't talk about that. Uh, Anyway, let's move on to kicker. Uh, So obviously, I mean, yeah, I thought this kicker decision was an easy one. Um, oh, I, I don't. I know we don't have the same one. I, I let my bias come in. <laughs> Obviously, I have Jeremy Shelley out of Alabama from 2011. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have Cade Foster out of out of Alabama from 2011. No, no, not you again. don't. No, I'm about to say, come no, on. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, I have Rob, I like. Roberto Aguayo, uh, Florida State. He was my number two. Not this guy. Uh, that's because you're biased. But let's. Let's talk about this. Dude, my, um, I, I, we can compare stats. Uh, go ahead. Say your, say no, your thing, no, and we can compare we, stats. We can compare stats. We have, uh, we have 2013 Lou Groza Award winner. Also, we have 2013 uh, national champion. How does that feel, Zach? Um, <laughs> we have 2014 consists of All-American. Uh, I mean, just look at how many points he put up. Uh, he put up 405 career points. That's the third most in the ACC. The third most. Ooh. Oh, I've won yeah. this. Oh, I've won this. No, you can't win this. Um, oh, you want to know why? Why? Go ahead. Because my, my guy has the number one amount of points scored for a career in the SEC, and he's number six in the NCAA all time. Oh, well, sick brag, dude. Um, 480 points, dog. Four, well, cool, I guess. Sick. Go ahead. Who is it? Hit us. Uh, Da- Daniel Cars- Carlson from Auburn. Yeah, forgettable name. No, not forgettable. Uh, dude, he made more. So I'll compare because Robert Aguayo and him were my two choices off the bat. He made more field goals than him. Neither of them ever missed an extra point. So that's that's invalid. He had he he put up way more points than him. He he punted too. Plus he has a touchdown run. Cool. So does so does Brad Wing. He's a punter from LSU. <laughs> Dude. So listen to this. In his career, from you know, from 2014 to 2017, his freshman year, he was second in the SEC in points, led led in points in the SEC 2016 and 17, number one in the SEC in total points scored, sixth in the NCAA. I mean, he led the SEC in field goals made three of his four years. He's second in the NCAA all-time in career field goals made and number one in the SEC. What, what's his field goal percentage? Uh, 81. 81. Oh, that's not even close to 88.5. That doesn't matter. He kicked more. What, that, that, that should just prove, like, Robert Aguirre didn't kick it, as guess. much. Oh, my God. You wildin'. I he mean, has the no- seven he had, and a half points. He has that's a, a lot of points. He led. He was number one or two in field goal percentage two of his three, four years at Auburn. He he had eighty-seven point five. Oh my gosh! Oh Jesus Christ! I mean, how many years did Robert Aguayo play? Three. So this dude had four years. Like so, Robert Aguayo could. He didn't leave as a junior as a kicker. That does that can't happen. He did. That's wild. That's he that's was, wild I mean, to me. He, I mean, he did. What do you? He was a good kicker. 
He was a good kicker. And look how he turned out in the NFL. <laughs> really bad. We get it. We're terrible. Good but job, I think Bucks. these are I, I, I think I think these are both good choices. I mean, if, if you go your whole career without missing an extra point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, apparently that's, it's that's really fine. hard. Yeah. I mean, I mean just, that's that's really good. I mean, and to be over we're recording. We're recording on January second, so we all saw uh, Illinois just bang one off the upright for an extra point a few minutes ago. I mean, um, Indiana. Yes. No. Yeah, Indiana. My bad. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's the same I mean, place. To you me. know, I think. Yeah, it's the same place. Same place. But you know, for both of these guys to be at the top of the NCAA and their respective conferences and points scored, extra points made, field goal percentage, field goals made, all this is insane. I think they're both really, really good choices. So we'll let you guys decide on this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, neither you can't go wrong with either one of them. I mean, they they both were hell of a kicker. And we only have a few more positions, man. We only have center, punter, and return specialists left on we might our. Just do those list. all in one episode, you know? We might switch things up. We on. will. We will. And then we got the all important one, the coach of the decade. Oh. I don't think it's really a debate, but no, it's not. But someone's going to make it's a not. Big deal out of it. Yeah, because because I mean, I, there's only two options, and there's only one real option, and so I mean, maybe three if you include Urban Meyer, but it's really no, down okay. to Saban or Dabo. But yeah. I mean, it's it's really not even a debate, guys. But we'll we'll make that short. We'll probably just bundle all those together for for you guys. But you guys have been voting you know so much on these so uh, I, it seems like i'll enjoy them so we're going to keep going with it yeah, and we're going to have a lot more yeah uh so vote on our instagram at the underscore blue bloods uh we have a bunch of votes you know uh as as we're recording this episode you guys are voting for offensive linemen you guys really seem to like barrett jones including brandon <laughs> yeah i voted for barrett jones i'm not gonna lie I mean, it 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 was it's fine, guys. We we understand. Barrett Jones was a tough one to go against, so I think that's a done deal. But we have a whole list of them coming up because we kind of got behind because of the holidays. I didn't want to post them while everyone was away. So we have a uh, cornerback tomorrow. We have linebacker on Monday, offensive guard on Tuesday, and kicker also we'll have someday. I don't like to post two in a day, but we probably will have to because we got to get through some of these. But you guys have been doing a great job, and then we're working on a big Instagram rollout, uh, social media rollout to announce um, who you guys all voted for for the Blue Bloods All-Decade team. Yeah, so appreciate the uh, votes there, the follows, the the likes, the whatever you guys are doing, we really do appreciate it, uh, especially the listens. So keep on listening. We're available on every single pod, uh, podcast platform. We're 40 – what is this? This is episode 43 that we're on? Yeah. Episode, we're 43 episodes deep. You guys know the deal. We're available everywhere. Um, uh, so keep listening. Keep reviewing. Keep telling your friends, your girlfriends, your wives, your your brother, sister, mom, dad, whatever, whoever you want to tell, tell them. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow, like Zach said. So uh, stay tuned, and we are out. <laughs>